And now we'll just stare at each other dead because yeah. I don't know how to start this anymore. Who's going to start? I still can't get over the ice cream. Like, I just, I keep coming back to that. We went for um, uh, Made by Marcus ice cream, another Calgary Western Canadian thing that nobody out there listening will know what the hell we're talking about. Just Calgary. Oh, no, Edmonton, too. I forgot. They've got a few Made by Marcuses in my, is there, in my oh, hometown now. Hey, good for them. It is the best ice cream. It tastes like summer. I agree wholeheartedly. And the worst thing to happen to me was when they opened uh, not too far from where I live. Uh, I can walk there within 30 seconds and often have, it'll be like nine o'clock at night, the kids are in bed and I'll look over at Fiona and I'll be like, do I go? Well, do it. <laughs> like you going or I'm going? One of us is going and yeah. it's usually me. And yeah, yeah. You come back with four pints and ostensibly those are for the next month or so, but are they? Oh, like, let's be honest here. Let's see if they last the weekend because they're so good. They are really good. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a former uh, religious person, so I'm very prone to becoming zealous about anything that I'm super into. And uh, yeah, Marcus ice cream is one of those things. I would start a cult for that ice cream. Oh God. And what I like about them, I think I was saying this before. I appreciate that they're a hipster ice cream place, but not too trendy. Like there's still edible flavors like sometimes people try to get too cute with their flavoring like if you're bringing in something like licorice and duck fat like disgusting no you need know. to keep it above board. I could fuck don't with you licorice dare and duck fat no, i could you if couldn't. it's done well i could do it no i'd try it and also i want to get into this idea of the word hipster as a pejorative like well, how would you describe it then you want to support local businesses that uh, do small batches and take risks with their flavors and we're gonna we're gonna shit on that oh, i'm sorry i, I stand I... hipster we're on the same team here, man. We both like the ice cream. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm not arguing with you, Lexi. I'm arguing with this uh, imaginary uh, antagonist that I've come up with who... Uh, Schmexy, to... that bitch. Schmexy. <laughs> this might be a new ongoing character. <laughs> Schmexy. Anytime we... <laughs> we butt heads on something? Anytime we disagree, it's Schmexy's fault. <laughs> oh, I need one too. Sven? Sven. Ah, uh, that dick, Sven. Yeah, I do and. Uh, an accent or have i crossed into offensive territory uh, can you be offensive against white people i mean people? what's Sven? it's norwegian yeah. no i don't believe you can and i will ride that train off a cliff well it was a good season while it lasted uh thanks for listening everybody <laughs> wrap it up at 22 episodes here we've been pulled off the air yeah that's, by ourselves that's good all because of ice cream and sven see okay so here's the problem i'm already sort of a dick so what is sven then is sven the good version of me Yes. Sven, the nicer person who doesn't say what they're thinking. He's like very polite. And won't make fun of Norwegians. Okay, how about this? Sven is the type of person that when someone says something racist, they laugh along as well to make that person. Oh, no. See, neither of us. No, neither Ben nor Sven are going to laugh along at racist shit. I, I can't. I can't make that part of anything about me, even my fake alter ego. Oh, God. Well, is this a good place to start talking about the theme? This might be Schmexy <laughs> talking again. God. That bitch yeah. is terrible. Wow, this might be our worst intro ever. Uh, no, I, we've had a lot of really bad <laughs> intros. This is just one of them. Yeah, you're right. Let's not undersell ourselves. Uh, this is Dork Matters, as you figured out by now. And I guess this is the start of the show. Let's hear the theme song.
Dork Matters. Welcome back. This is Dork Matters. I'm your dad, Dork host, Ben Rankle, And with me, as always, is... Lexi, your rage-quitting dork. Hunt. Oh, that was terrible. Oof. Yeah, I liked it. It was, it was rough. Whatever. That is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, and uh, with us, as unusual, we have a guest for an entire episode. This is weird. We've never done it before. Uh, yeah, but it's great. Lexi, you want to bring in our, our guest for this evening? Yeah. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for being with us uh, here tonight. And would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Jordan Lane. Um, I'm someone that, uh, that that Lexi knows through a mutual friend of ours, Lindsay. Shout out, Lindsay. Um, and yeah, and and uh, let's see here. I work as a style consultant and uh, vintage seller here in Calgary, Alberta. I also do a couple of podcasts um, and improvisation around town. Uh, lots of stuff. So yeah, just kind of uh, a kind of a guy that does things. But today I'm going to talk about video games. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, you said you do improv. Are you with any of the troops in Calgary? Yeah. Um, so I currently perform with a group called the Kinkanauts. Uh, you can check that oh, out yeah. over at kinkanauts.com. Um, I've been with them since 2016. And um, yeah, and I actually uh, started out uh, in the late 90s over at the Loose Moose. So uh, I've kind of done done a little bit of time at both of the big uh, the big spots in town here. So <laughs> Cool. You've, you've got pedigree. Mm-hmm. Loose Moose is also uh, where Andrew Fung came out of, right? Mm-hmm, very much so. It's our own second city. It is, yeah. And Jordan, your one podcast that you do, um, Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, is just fantastic. Do you want to do a little plug of that right now? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, so basically it's a it's a podcast. Uh, it's f- From the title, you may guess that it's about <laughs> figuring out that you have ADHD. Uh, in my case, this happened when I was 38 years old, uh, just about two years ago. Um, and uh, my co-host, Robbie McDonald, was someone that I used to work with. And we both kind of figured out that we were going through the same thing at the same time and um, decided to kind of start this uh, this podcast about probably two or three months after we both got diagnosed. Um, as a way to kind of like, you know, more than anything, kind of process out loud uh, and and kind of put things out there for hopefully other people to relate to. And, you know, it's been it's been fairly popular. It's definitely done better than either of us expected. Um, and yeah, so I'm really happy about that and, and excited to see where, you know, things are going to go with that uh, this year. So not to steal the hook from uh, your your podcast, and uh, but how did you, if you don't mind, like just a really quick rundown, how did you end up finding out uh, or even suspecting that you were dealing with uh, ADHD that far along? Um, well, it was something that um, based on what I had been talking to uh, my counselor at the time about, she suggested that like, hey, have, is this ever something that you've explored? And it wasn't. Um, I've had the same, uh, or I had at the time, she just retired, but I had the same GP since I was like five. So when I brought this to her and I was kind of like, Hey, so this is something that, um, that, you know, my counselor brought up and she's like, Oh yeah, no, I can. Yep. You definitely kind of tick all of those boxes. Uh, but just one of those things where, you know, it's like my symptoms didn't kind of present in the typical male way, especially for the like 1980s, 90, early nineties understanding of what ADHD was. Um, so my symptoms kind of present a lot more like what people, uh, at the time were used to thinking of as girl ADHD. And so there are a lot of men like me that kind of got overlooked. And of course, a lot of women with ADHD that got overlooked as well, because there wasn't the understanding, um, 
of these symptoms kind of more related to like uh, your internal life than your behavior and your interactions with the world? Huh. I can't imagine a uh, sort of binary understanding of gender uh, causing any problems for anybody. <laughs> this must be a first. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's the first and soul time. Uh, we learned a bunch of lessons from it. And uh, thankfully, there's nothing going on that's divvied up along strict gender lines anymore. Um, you know, we've definitely <laughs> reconceptualized beyond the notion of two genders as well. Uh, it's it's just so interesting to get uh, to really talk about anything and then finding how those uh, those sort of roles suddenly have, have caused problems that we you don't even expect. Like you don't expect that to pop up, but it's just so glaringly there with your sort of uh, doctor's inability to diagnose you early on. And I find that absolutely fascinating. You hear a lot about um, that the patriarchy hurts men too. Uh, and a lot of yeah. times when you're pressed to come up with an example for that, it's like, well, it can be a little bit tough because of all the ways that men do have an advantage uh, in society. But that's a pretty easy sure. one right there to say like, okay, well, you know, if we understand that um, this thing only manifests one way in women and one way in men, uh, there's going to be problems with that. It's the same thing with, you know, kind of uh, uh, understanding symptoms of a disease based on racial lines or, you know, like uh, these stories about how women get missed for heart attacks all the time and go way too long sure. without getting treatment because the symptoms are way different from a man's and men are the baseline that makes up the literature of what constitutes a heart attack. Yeah, we've been reading a lot about that recently, just uh, the approach to assessment and triage for uh, people of color mm -hmm. um, trying to do that along white lines and just completely missing stuff uh, that should have been obvious or should have taken a second glance. It's it's fascinating, if if not wildly disappointing. Yeah. There's a, a doctor that I follow on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Dr. Jen Gunter, and she's written the Menopause Manifesto and the Vagina Bible. And I highly recommend it for everybody, even if um, you're not a woman or someone that identifies as a woman, it still is a really good read because she talks about the history of why women's health is so underlooked. And when you look at even recently, they didn't uh, ask women for consent on doing pelvic exams for students that were learning how to address women's health. They would wait for a woman. It's not funny. Um, they would wait for a woman to go in for a procedure and be under. And then they'd be like, okay, well, while she's out, let's just do this. And that's how a lot well, of... I mean, I get... I understand the chuckle at the audacity, uh, not the chuckle at the idea of abusing a person who is uh, anesthetized. It's like, oh, can you believe we do these things? And then the chuckle is the sort of sad realization that, yes, you can. You can believe we've done these things. Because you, you read something like that and think, oh, this is what they did in like the late 1800s. Like, nope, yeah. up until fairly recently. Chronology for, uh, you know... <laughs> deciding who's going to be a criminal. I would have been uh, very poorly assessed, I imagine, with my giant cranium uh, and this brow line that could, you know, shield a small family. Just stand under here. You won't get wet. Uh, can you just imagine some doctor with his little spindly fingers all over my skull and then being like, he's set for a life of crime? Well, were they wrong, Ben? Uh, God, I'm such a rule follower. It's sad. I wish. Yeah, I wish I am a Cyclops type to a T. And, you know, that's about as good of a segue as we're going to get into video games, which in theory was what we we're going to talk about. Um, and uh, the video games that maybe make us commit criminal behavior, <laughs> <laughs> such as breaking controllers and uh, maybe uh, maybe losing that Wii mode into the screen on purpose. 
There was a like an urban myth about that at my elementary school that when Game Boys came out, there was one kid who everyone was talking about his dad took away his Game Boy because he got so mad he punched it and like completely caved the screen in and he was like the elementary school hero. Oh no, that's a real thing. I remember hearing about that. So it must be real. Right? Yeah, and his uncle also worked at Nintendo. I remember. He's <laughs> <laughs> the same guy. <laughs> he went to all... There's more than one elementary school in this city, I should clarify for people. Well, yeah, but you start going around caving in Game Boy screens, you get uh, shuffled off to the next elementary school pretty quickly. So I think his name was Dirk. He got around. <laughs> what, what are the video games you love to hate, Lexi? What are the ones that inspired rage in you so severe that you scared your family with your outbursts at your screen? Okay. Did you do anything like that? Yeah. Well, I didn't punch anything, but I definitely had my Game Boy taken away from me. Because... Well, this is totally one of those things that would kind of flow along like the idea of a gender normative line, which is like, you know, that anger in video games coming from uh, males. I mean, we've talked about this before, the idea that you even played video games being something you more or less had to hide yeah. as uh, as a teen and up until you're an adult, you couldn't admit you're a gamer. That's not funny either. We're just in a chuckly mood here. Isn't it fun to have to address these things? Um, yeah. So my game, my first my first pick of the night is the Darkwing Duck Game Boy game. Jesus. Wow. That is a cut. Hey, that is a cut that is deep. You find me some cartoon from the 90s that had a better soundtrack. They had a great opening. Let's get dangerous. Darkwing Duck. There was all of those games from the 90s, though, that were tied in directly to, like, the animation scene. Um, and, and Oh, yeah. And uh, food as well. Do you remember, like, Spot's Adventure or, like, Fido Dido having his video game, Chester the Cheetah? Oh, we did talk about, the, yeah, the video game tie-ins for, like, the 7-Up. Yeah, yeah. Fido Dido and the Red Dots Spot. It's wild yeah. stuff. Okay, so there's this whole arrangement of like disney video games from the 90s that are extremely difficult in my recollection uh you've got aladdin you've got like the lion king uh, yes very difficult darkwing duck is there darkwing duck was one of those games that like you couldn't save so this was maybe the the precursor to rogue gaming a la darkwing duck okay yeah can we do a tangent here for a second which is like how we ever managed to get through any video game when we couldn't save. We couldn't save. You had to do the, put the controller down, turn the TV off, but not the console. And God save the person that came in and turned off that console. Oh, it was always my dad. who was just like, who left this on? Turn it off. <laughs> like, ah, no. It's eating up power. We might hit, you know, $15 on our monthly bill. Ah, uh, the 90s. So what was it about Darkwing Duck specifically that got you, that, that wrecked you? Oh, it was completely the fact that you couldn't save. And I would play it for what seemed like hours. I mean, like looking back, it probably wasn't that long. And my dad really didn't like us sitting around. He wanted us like cleaning the house or painting a fet. Like he was that very like Scottish Protestant work ethic of only sit when you absolutely have to, otherwise be puttering and constantly fixing and changing things. And so for us playing video games, it was like, whew, it was a very fancy time. And he would give me about 45 minutes before he'd be like, okay, that's enough. And so I was so frustrated because I would get to one same section 
die or I'd be doing okay and my dad would come in and be like that's enough turn it off and I'd be like you don't understand I can't press pause I can't like I can't turn it off and he'd be like no it's just a game and I'd be like you know you don't understand because I've been playing it through like 78 times just trying to get to the end of the goddamn game no I'm getting tense here just like listening to this like my fingers have gone into a ball I'm uh yeah sweaty sweaty palms here <gasps> mom's spaghetti well and I remember my sister had like my I still remember the day my parents bought us like matching Game Boys at Costco oh that's cute. and she was in her room and I was in my room and we were playing she was playing the um Tiny Toons Adventures because you know that's what you do yeah and I was playing Darkwing Duck and we were both swearing <laughs> through the wall at each other like this game and then my mom was like hey <laughs> so I would love to finish Darkwing Duck I think now going back and playing it I could probably finish it in like half an hour maybe you know what you need to do is uh, pick up one of those new uh, like Game Boy devices that you can yes. buy that are like um, emulators for basically like everything from Game Boy t- through to like Super Nintendo and just get yourself some Darkwing Duck oh. and you can save state now I can't tell you how much that would mean to me. Yeah, the game itself doesn't need to be able to save. You can do a save state onto like the flash drive or whatever. This is something we need to do. We'll get you on Twitch or something and we'll we'll do a first Twitch broadcast. Will that change my childhood? Is this like going back in time, like back to the future? Like people are going to reappear and... Photographs are start going to get un, uncloudy. You'll notice people you hadn't noticed before. Milk is going to taste better. It might know. be horrific, actually. We're teetering on horror movie. That's a good pick. I like it. That's a good cut. Uh, I think if we're talking about games that make us angry, 90s is going to be a very big part of that. Um, I think we should we should throw to our guest. Jordan, did you come Did you come prepared to play? I did come prepared to play. So um, I've got a few kind of different ways that we could go through this. I don't know if we want to go like least enraging to most enraging or like the game that I still like the most. Yeah, no, I think you should throw right at us the one you hate the most that that, that has traumatized you the most. Oh, okay. Um, well, then further to that, I kind of I, I kind of have like newer games edition, and then I've also was thinking a little bit about like some historical favorites. So maybe I'll throw out a, a historical favorite. Um, since you guys are kind of talking about classic systems, uh, so one for me was uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on the NES. I'm already there with you. It's on my list. Um, and specifically the goddamn swimming levels um, with the, 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 the electrocution with the bombs uh, things. And yeah, the bombs. Oh, my God. Yeah, you had to disarm them and there was no way. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but the understanding at the time was that that level was actually glitched and you can't beat it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Well, I, I certainly never finished that game. I definitely played the second one a lot more because that was like a double dragon style beat em up. It was so much different um but yeah that that first one extremely difficult it was so good yeah yeah <laughs> side scroller uh we call that a daily double around here because that's on my list <laughs> nice uh tmmt number one was a awful game you could play one and a half or two levels or whatever <laughs> and then you got to the water level where you're supposed to disarm these bombs and you just can't do it it is impossible i don't believe anyone ever has um don't at me <laughs> Don't show me don't show me videos of people doing it. I don't care. Don't ruin this for me. But yeah, it was one of my most hated hated experiences as a kid as well. And you wanted to play it cuz TMNT was so cool. Turtles were so cool. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to be a hero in a half shell and they took that from us. Well, and and you know, I I feel like maybe there's not an appreciation for it, it, it kind of 
the same thing with all sorts of media at the time, like before, or at least I'm, I'm almost 40 here. So I'm, I'm at a slightly pre-internet time uh, for <laughs> up until like my mid teenage years. In similar company. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like if you, if you spent the money on a video game and it sucked, it doesn't matter. You still played and beat that game because you spent that money. If, if you bought a record that sucked and there was one good song on it, well, guess what, buddy boy? You're going to memorize the whole thing anyway because you just paid $27 for it at Sam the Record Man. Like, you got you to gotta wring all the, all, all the value out of that thing that you possibly can. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't just, like, the option to, oh, well, I'm just going to turn this off and play something that's actually good because you just didn't have other games. No, no. <laughs> You could borrow from a friend and half the time they didn't work anyhow. Mm-hmm. You're stuck doing that blow <laughs> trick and like half half trying to get that little cartridge like sort of just, just in enough that you could press it down. But it was also supposed to like grade on the front case if you want to get the game working again. Yeah. The things we did. Well, the best for that though was like, um, I don't know if you ever had uh, uh, opportunity friends that would have those like bootleg cartridges that had like a hundred different games oh, on them came from like hong kong or whatever that was a great way to like yeah you you really got your money's worth because you know you could just turn it off and like oh i'm never going to touch this again and there's 98 other games on this cartridge (laughs) Uh, i mean what i ended up with was like bootleg games from texas that were christian uh that my dad would bring home from from religious conferences wisdom tree games run around collecting animals to throw in the ark i (laughs) like them and it's like you're saying jordan like do I like them because I actually thought they were good or because that was what I had to play? Like we had Nintendo, we had like Mario one and a bunch of these wisdom tree Christian video games. And <laughs> that was what we played. There's a really good one called revelations where it was sort of like an, an old school, like JRPG, except you wandered around throwing uh, like fruits of the spirit at people uh, to convert them into Christians. <laughs> it was a very aggressive form oh of, uh, of conversion. Um, you get like a pomegranate. And so like each weapon did a different thing. The banana was a boomerang. Pomegranate would sting. Good grief. Yeah. Pomegranate yes. blew up into different pieces Wait. like a grenade. <laughs> you could convert multiple people at once with your fruits of the spirit. You know, the biblical way. Kind of a pun too, because I think that's the, the French word for pomegranate is gr- grenade. Right. Grenade. Gren- yeah. <laughs> that's where we get grenadine yeah. from or whatever. So those are the games I had. Sorry, you just you, you sparked something with the you played what you had comment. No, no need to apologize. Uh, this is, yeah. Uh, uh, this is what we yeah, had. Expanding on each other's riffs. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who he was going home to Hong Kong for the summer. And he knew that I loved Dance Dance Revolution because we used to go to Eau Claire Mall every Friday and play Dance Dance Revolution. And he had like the mat and the whole plug-in. And he lent it to me for the entire summer. And I just... Like that was friendship right there. I was so appreciated him because he's like, Hey, you can play it in your basement. I'm not going to use it. And that's what you did. You had like the circle of friends that were just passing games back and forth. And it was just lovely. Yeah. It was nice when you had friends that would, would share with you. Um, the dance dance thing just made me think of the power pad, oh, yeah. uh, which we did have briefly. I think my parents picked it up from a garage sale and, uh, the awful game that came with that, which was like that, uh, track and field game where you had to like stomp on the buttons and the buttons didn't work properly and you were constantly losing and your little character that's like two peg legs going up and down was constantly falling flat while the person next to you the computer character was just racing like the wind uh yeah it's all coming flooding back now all the awful things that nintendo did to us um but i think for this era since we're sort of doing it that way 
I'm going to go with Echo the Dolphin, which was a confounding game to me. Uh, you're a dolphin, and I think it, um, I didn't look this up. I just wanted to go by memory and just give like the worst description of this game. But you're like fighting aliens or something, but not like directly, and they're littering the ocean possibly. What? And you're supposed to like jump out and like swim around, and it was difficult and a, like for my age at the time, like just nearly indecipherable for what was happening. And I still loathe dolphins because of it. Oh, don't hate dolphins because of Echo. There's a lot. You're right. There's a lot of other reasons to hate dolphins. Yeah, like the raping. Yeah, and they're just kind of dicks. Oh. You ever you ever talk to one? They're not nice people. Are 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 you basing that off of something? Is there a story there, or is that just like yeah, Sea World, 1997? <laughs> he knows what he did. Uh, he can shove it out his blowhole or something. No? Okay, let's go. Let's move on. What's your next game, Lexi? We spent enough time on my dolphin issues. Okay, so this is... Um, I'm not proud of this one because I love Legend of Zelda so, so much. All the games, played them all. Skyward Sword is one of the most frustrating games in the world because there's all these little... like. Okay, this comes back to my issues with Nintendo not having great controls and it not being like switch wii u controller whatever not having the best controls and so when they're asking you to do very nuanced things with the controllers make the controllers better otherwise what are you doing because that game you have to balance pumpkins one on top of each other and then walk and it is nearly impossible and i have rage quit that game so many times and tried to restart it because of the friggin' pumpkins i should be better than this but adult me is so ashamed of the fact I can't beat the pumpkin part of friggin' Skyward Sword. There. F*** you, Link. Uh, it's one of the Zeldas that I literally have not played. I think I did the starting area and was like, just got distracted or noped out or something. Um, yeah, I don't know the pumpkins. It sounds tough. Did you get the extra attachment for the uh, Wiimote that was supposed to add extra precision to your waggling? It did nothing. It cost extra money and made it heavier. It made you angrier. I consider that a win. Jordan, did you ever play it? I did not. Um, I am relatively, you know, it's weird. I don't know if I'm a gamer or not because I don't play very many games at all. But the games I do play, I have like a thousand hours into. So like, I would say you're a gamer. I, I think so too. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I haven't... The, that that all that is to say, the last Link game that I played was the Adventures of Link, whatever the second one was. Yeah. So yeah, the side scroller. Oh, you just got a whole world of Link that you could experience if you ever feel like it. It's true. What is a game that you have a thousand hours in since since we brought yeah. that up? Um. Well, uh, one of the games that I have a thousand hours in that I have definitely rage quit um, many, many times oh, good. is it's a, a, a rogue light called uh, The Binding of Isaac. Oh, uh, yes. I don't know if, if you guys have played or heard of that one. I have dabbled. I have not gotten into it as much as I'd like as a parent with two young children. It is something I came to after sort of the moment and I haven't been able to commit to because it just looks like it's going to be frustrating. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, it's it's actually very Zelda-like. It's it's a it's a kind of clone of the first Zelda mechanically. It's like a a kind of chamber to chamber, top down, two uh, uh, D kind of fighter. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of these games where because of its rogue like nature, um, and because I am 
an obsessive psycho who needs to unlock every achievement on the games that he likes. So it's like, okay, well, you know, there's so many things that have to go right in the confluence of one run, especially under a roguelike kind of thing, uh, in order to get some of this stuff that, you know, it'd be like, you know, I'm I'm 90 minutes into the game and then the one seed doesn't uh, uh, hit, so I can't get through to this level. So this run is just has been a waste of 90 minutes. Or, you know, like, I'll, I'll get to the last, 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 last boss and die on that. And that's, like, you know, understandable. That's a thing that happens. But, you know, when it took, like, 90-plus minutes to get there, and then it's like, I've done this a million times. Like, there was literally no value added to my life by doing this. I don't know why I'm doing this. The game probably doesn't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> Steam is looking at all the other games in my library with zero hours and looking like come on pal you don't need every <laughs> single achievement and yet i'm just like no i'm i'm gonna yeah. beat my head against this thing yeah you're pushing masochist as a kind of fuck you to myself sorry i don't know how, yeah. how's language on this show is it a can, can, can i work blue do what you need to okay, do okay great oh we are yeah we we have never edited out a swear yet as far as i know jess <laughs> have we edited out a swear before we need to give jess like her own sound like like Tinkerbell, like when when she's chiming in, like ding 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 for like like a yes or like wop off or a no if Jess agrees with us or something. I think she's only dropped in actual audio once when we incorrectly identified uh, uh, Eddie Redmayne as Timothy Chalamet. Oh yes, thank you, Jess. That's one of my you. favorite favorite moments where she corrected us, it, like literally stopped the podcast to correct us. I loved it. It was great. <laughs> wow, I just derailed the shit out of us, didn't I? Uh, Thanks, Ben. Yeah, sorry. Um, I get a little bit like roguelikes aren't generally like my go-to sort of game, but I have done a similar thing with Hades and with Hollow Knight. But the thing that I find fascinating, especially with Hades, is that there's something about it that keeps bringing me back and doesn't make me rage stop. Hollow Knight, not so much. There are bosses in Hollow Knight that have made me hang up that game for an extended period of time. Maybe not throw my Switch. Um at a wall, but but definitely hang up. Hades has something to it that makes losing, even even though you die, even though you push right through to the end and try to do everything great, uh, there's something about that game that keeps me going afterwards, even though I've just done a whole bunch of uh, lost time into that. Um, I very much agree with what you just said, and I think that there's a couple things there. One is that um, th this is also true of, of Isaac and other games like it, where during your early runs, you're unlocking a lot of stuff all at the same time. It's only when you're really into the late game runs and trying to like, well, I need to get to the real, real last ending or I need to unlock every achievement or whatever that it does start to get frustrating. Mm -hmm. But you're not, you're never really kind of wasting time in those games in, in the early game. Right, because you're still being rewarded with that sort of uh, like uh, lottery or like, you know. Exactly. You're, you're always unlocking stuff that helps you kind of progress further and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then with Hades, when you die you know, if you've got the, the damage reduction thing on, a death means that your next run is going to be easier anyway. So there's, it, it's also, you know, uh, a kind of... I don't think I have that or have ever seen it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, turn that option on until I beat the game <laughs> with it off. Um, but yeah, like maybe it's only after you finish your first Hades oh, run. I don't think I realized that was an option. Uh, yeah, after that, every time you die you get an extra 2% damage reduction. So then subsequent runs get easier and easier. Oh my God. 
Okay, I need to finish. I have gotten to the end so many times and just keep dying at Hades. Although now with what you just said about the real end end, I'm worried that I was not actually at the end of the game. Uh, I'm I'm suddenly very concerned. <laughs> I've not got yeah, no, you'll 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 beat Hades. I think at least ten times before you get like the real 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 oh, ending. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I thought I was much closer to finishing that game than I am. Uh. <laughs> that said when i when i did finish it i was nowhere near a thousand hours i think like a little over oh. 200 which is still a lot but you know it's been a, a it's lot. been a quiet year let's say that <laughs> yeah a quiet couple of years for some reason i wonder what happened um well we're on the switch thing i think my next one is going to be one that literally made me nearly break my switch <laughs> uh in just absolute frustration which is mario tennis aces People um, buy the Mario tennis games. That's a new thing to me. Yeah. It is a game that had in previous... En- <laughs> oh, people love them. Um, not me. <laughs> I think the last time I played a Mario tennis game was N64. And it was so comically like, you know, about everyone can play that uh, when I ran into Mario tennis aces, I had a friend like very strongly recommend this to me. And it turns out we enjoy very different things about video games. So it was a brutally exacting experience where like uh, the AI always seemed to have an edge in every single match. And it's just like, this isn't fun. I do not think this is fun. Like having to exactly precisely press a certain combination of buttons just to swing a tennis racket and, and play goofy Mario tennis is not what I want. And But I was for a time exceptionally determined to try to make this game fun and make myself enjoy it because I had had it so highly recommended to me. Um, so instead of destroying my Switch when I finally realized that I despised this game, I actually just like told my friend just how much I absolutely hated this game. And I think he took it a little bit personally because he'd <laughs> recommended it to me. So don't do that. That's my advice. Destroy the controller, not the friendship, is what you're saying. Oh, I could have bitten the screen in half, I think. <gasps> it was so upsetting. <laughs> so I don't know what stopped me. Some Something inside me said don't. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't think it's I would... an awful game. Did either of you play it? It's no. Just, okay, it sounds like nobody else plays the Mario sports. No, I played the very first Mario Tennis, um, and I think the Wii Tennis too, but uh, but not the one that you're referring to. It was just the most recent one on Switch, and it was just absolutely infuriating. And then, if you want to play online, the online matching was so horrible that you were, you know an idiot terrible player like me going up against somebody who was like an s rank uh like all-star who had somehow just like mathematized the entire process and it was it was not a fun experience we are at about the halfway mark so i think it's time for our favorite part of the show who's that pokemon (laughs) jordan would you like to participate with us this evening sure okay uh i am i will warn you i am just old enough that pokemon was was kitty shit by the time it came out uh so i will probably not get this unless it's like pikachu I love that. <laughs> my understanding is we're about two years apart and that two years apparently made a world of difference when it comes to pokemon yeah it's uh po- pokemon and power rangers were the things that like were coming out right as i was like 11 12 and i was like oh that's for little kids I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, i'm like 11 now Okay, wait, we, yeah, we're very similar in age, and apparently I just had uh, a much less refined sensibility at the time. It's like, wow, they're fighting putty people and doing crazy flips. 
Uh, all right. Well, we like to do a little thing called Who's That Pokemon? One of us describes either a real Pokemon or a completely fictitious idea of a Pokemon uh, based on some sort of physical object. And uh, everyone else tries to guess what the shit we're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. Lexi, do you want to take it this time or should I just go with something and see what uh, uh, see what happens? You go with it because I the only one I can think of right now is Pikachu. So <laughs> it's just going to be Pikachu. So. <laughs> now, if I did Pikachu right now, would you be mad at me? <laughs> No, I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm not going to do Pikachu. I have an idea, okay, though. So it's okay. a small, round rat. Yes. Raichu. Yeah, Raichu. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to describe a silhouette as if we're watching the show um, and you're getting that uh, that black cutout before the commercial break. Um, so what we're looking at is sort of an oval, and on top of that oval, there's almost sort of like a little bit of a crown shape on top of it. And then on the other end of that oval, like almost directly opposed, uh, is like maybe a little divot, like a, not quite a half circle, but just a little bump off the other end. Uh, the oval itself is a little bit bumpy looking, and uh, that is the silhouette. <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? The faces you're making, Lexi, are already just priceless uh, to me. I have to draw it's, it. Go for it's, it, It's avocado, dude. It's... <laughs> I mean, if we're playing hotter and colder, I would say very warm. Oh. Nice. Um, Avocado Dude is a great Pokemon. <laughs> we're going to make our own our Flash own game. Pokemon. Um, can I ask you a series of yes or no questions? Sure, what the hell? We play fast and loose with these who's that Pokemon yeah. rules. Oh, you know what? I actually think I might know this one. Hang on. I need to like, I, I need to think about what the name of it is. Is it, is it I'm concerned Jordan might be too convinced that this is a real Pokemon. Is it not a real Pokemon? Are you making this shit up? You have to tell. Do I? Is that a new rule? Okay, it's not a real Pokemon. Oh, well then what the f***? I mean, that's literally how we've always played this game. It has only been a real Pokemon like twice. That's true. One time it was a chair. It was chair. <laughs> um, that was last time, I think. It was the last episode that aired. Indie gaming. Uh, is it one of the geodes that you've 3D printed? Oh, the gyroids? No, yeah. but that's a fun guess. Geodes. Oh my god. Geodes also would have been a fun guess. You're you're in the realm it's with a, that shape. What is a gyroid? Uh, if you've never played Animal Crossing, they are a small sort of figure um, that have sort of hollow eyes and a hollow mouth, and they're based off of something from Japanese folklore that I won't try oh, okay. to describe. Um, but they've come out as this character called uh, Lloyd, who did like construction for you on your island. And then that evolved into being other versions of that sort of like hollow-eyed little critter that you could collect and they dance and make little sounds. And it's basically my favorite thing about Animal Crossing is uh, collecting these gyroids with my, nice. my toddler uh, who got really into that portion of it with me. So when I got a 3D printer, what we set about doing was printing every, every gyroid from the game for him to play with. Nice. Which I finished now. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life anymore. <laughs> What's next for me? Nothing. Retirement, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it out. Um, All okay. right. Should I, should I just wing it? Or do you want to try drawing this? Do you have a piece of paper? No, handy? but I'm like drawing it in the air. So it's not okay. a Pokemon. It's an oval with a crown and then little half circles. And it's bumpy. Yeah. Is it Kirby? It's not Kirby, but that's a fun guess. I like that. Can I have one more guess? You absolutely can. Yeah. What, who would we be? Is it like Mr. Potato Mon? That's <laughs> not a bad guess. I like that. Uh, no, it's not Mr. Potato Mon. I like uh, that. It's Pomegranate. Oh, for Down God's sake. No, no. 
course it is. Of course it is. I don't know if you've noticed yet, Lexi, but I try to bring in something from the first half of our show when I do a fake Pokemon or when it's a real Pokemon. That is true. I have a method to my madness. You're connecting the dots. I like that. Yeah. Or if you say chair. Speaking of dots getting connected, I'm actually drinking pomegranate tea tonight. So it's a little little extra tidbit for us. Inception. Full circle. I don't know what Inception means, and I don't think... uh, Christopher Nolan did either. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. So you, as far as I know, you aced it. <laughs> it's about going really slow and dreaming. That's pretty accurate, actually. And spinning tops. <laughs> Should we do an episode on Inception? No. I want it to be so bad. I just don't think people would listen. We could do the collective works of, I mean, are they? What if you did a short episode about Inception within a different episode about a second yeah. film? There you go. That's uh, it. What if the second film was also Inception? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're weaving a, a beautiful tapestry here. That was Who's Up Pokemon, whatever. I said that really poorly. Uh, it was Pomegranate. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. Nice. We're back. Thanks for joining us again on the other side of that important break. Uh, we are working through our list of... Uh, most rage-inducing video games that we played. And uh, I think we just finished sort of our second round. So, Lexi, do you want to start us up with uh, another one here? You got one more? Yeah, got one more. Um, it's Ori in the Dark Forest. Oh, I have not played, but I love the look of oh. it. Well, and that's basically why I buy most games is because I think they're pretty. And it is. Like, it's a beautiful, absolutely stunning, wonderful game. It can go straight to hell. Straight to hell. And one of the things I hate about it the most is that it keeps track of how many times you die. And then it just tells you every time you die, it's like 300. You're welcome. Ooh, 301. That would be upsetting. Oh, and I like, I don't like games that time you, I like, I don't like the pressure of it. I'm playing to escape my life, not to be more stressed out about shit. And that game was so frustrating that the number of times <laughs> I would, I would try not to throw the controllers because you know, um, but I would just be like, John, you need to come here right now. And he'd come and like take the controller away from me and be like, oh, it's a very sweaty controller tonight, isn't it? Because I'm just <laughs> gripping it. And uh, yeah, that game stresses me out. It's beautiful. I wish I could like it. Straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I feel like we should have a fit for the pit segment where you can drop that <laughs> game into. Oh, fit for the pit, yes. Oh, I mean, we should do a Street Sense episode for sure. Well, we um, need to do a Canadiana episode of all like the Canadian TV shows Sense. of the '90s. I have a, a friend slash acquaintance who actually uh, worked as a writer on that show. I also have a friend slash acquaintance who worked as a producer on that show. Oh, worlds we colliding! Spend the same time and say if they're the same person, they're not. I guess probably. Probably, my guy's out in uh, Halifax. Oh, interesting. Um, is it Jonathan Torrens? It is not. Ah, shit. I don't, I don't have those What's kind of plugs. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. That's, that's big. That's Canadian royalty. Um, yeah, I don't have that kind of juice. That's for sure. <laughs> Did you see that they're bringing Street Sense back, though? No, but that makes me happy. One of my biggest yeah. gripes about CBC is that they do not lean into their legacy stuff the way I feel like they yes. should. Like, they've got a whole yeah. back catalog. Yeah, that was, I think, announced last week. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's cool. I'm a guy that's standing here standing for uh, the raccoons very hard on a regular basis. And nice. uh, 
I've had, you know, there's been inklings of like a revival or a redo at some point and just nothing's materialized. I want Urban Peasant back too. You love the Urban Peasant, my God. But maybe it wouldn't be the same. James Barber passed away, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. Yeah, 2007, if I'm not mistaken. He was definitely like like my favorite uh, TV chef, I guess. I I have like all of his cookbooks and that's, I'm not like a TV chef guy at all, but I love James Mm -hmm. Barber. Oh, we are kindred here because I also have a very great number of his uh, cookbooks. I mean, Ginger Ginger Tea Makes Friends is probably my favorite. Um, one of the first gifts I got from my 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 partner when we started dating, um, when it, we hit that point where you're like giving Christmas gifts, uh, you know, not the first year because you don't do it the first year, but uh, she painted me a a picture of James Barber and framed it and, and gave it to me Aww. along with a, a a pot, a stock pot. That's awesome. That's really nice. Yeah, it's an incredibly thoughtful gift. But like, I would say he's one of those people that I would consider a very influential person in my sort of personality or interests in life. Really? Him and Fred Penner and, and Mr. Dress Up are probably the triumvirate of uh, Canadian TV inspiration for me. I remember when I found out LeVar Burton wasn't Canadian and I started crying. <laughs> he feels like he should be, doesn't he? I Okay, this... So this is going to sound weird. Last night, I follow him on Twitter, and every day he says good morning, and every night he says good night. And I started crying because I realized how much of my life was shaped or has been shaped by LeVar Burton. And I just thought, like, how is it possible for you to love someone you've never... Like, I've met him at, like, a comic expo, but, like, I don't know him at all. But how how can you love someone that much that you don't know? And then I started crying. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, LeVar. I know who we're tagging in the episode notes. Uh, oh, he's a gentleman. I got to see him at the Science Center when they did that whole Star Trek thing. That was pretty cool. And he was always my favorite character on uh, TNG. So, yeah. yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Oh, um, yeah, it's really beautiful. <laughs> there's this there's this type of Canadian entertainer that existed in that sort of late 80s, early 90s that was this, like, how am I trying to describe them? They were a masculine figure, but also like in a lot of ways, not a type of masculinity that you consider toxic or overbearing or even traditional. So I, I guess that's what I, I grabbed onto. Mm-hmm. Your, your red greens. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't watch red green as much, but I see what you're getting at there. Yeah, totally. I'm half joking. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can put somebody in flannel and make them like a handyman, but when they're a Canadian that's poking fun of that sort of thing, it, it sort of it sort of ends up tongue in cheek and and not exactly. Uh, I could see him. I didn't watch a whole bunch of Red Green, but I could see that being sort of a uh, a kinder, gentler version of a of a Tim the Toolman, terrible tailor. Oh, oh very much, very yeah. much so. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Red Green fan. Yeah, that, so there's another show they should bring back, Red Green. Yeah. Can you do that again? I don't know. Maybe some of these, like like the urban peasant, you could do again in a spiritual succession sort of way, but nobody will ever be James Barber. No. Um, traveling around, picking up his stuff at the local market and smiling and just making a mess while he cooks and not worrying about it. God, okay, <laughs> let's move back onto video games. Woof. Or I'll just keep talking about how much I love James Barber. I met Fred <laughs> Penner uh, at SAIT. Uh, he was here for a concert and that was just a like emotional like nearly on the edge of tears sort of moment like i got to give him a hug and be like (laughs) you're wildly influential and he's like everyone here said that (laughs) i was like okay (laughs) one of the others yeah that's good yeah yeah it was a super cool super cool moment 
where were we at? (laughs) (laughs) All I want to talk about now is uh, those three individuals. I'll talk about Splatoon instead, and then we'll let uh, Jordan sort of bring us home with his final rage-inducing game there. Uh, Splatoon is a game I absolutely love, absolutely love, and also is one of the games I have hurled the most vitriol towards also. Um, (laughs) And I think it's that part of where you don't control all the elements when you're playing with sort of like an online sort of game with other people or there are outside forces like uh, internet latency, which can really bring you down. Uh, Mm. But even in the one, like the individual parts of the game, like the single player portion, there were just some things that were so difficult for me to do. I'm just like apparently just old enough to no longer be able to do the kind of Twitch gaming required um, that there were some, some, very unkind words hurled towards my screen enough to uh, a point where Fiona, we were living together and she's like, you've got to stop swearing at that game. She's like, it's a bunch of cartoon characters that shoot paint at each other. What are you doing? Uh, It's a whole conversation. You're making me uncomfortable. I'm like, this is actually catharsis for me, which was something I was, I was wanting to get into a little bit uh, with this whole angry at games thing is the idea of uh, Mm -hmm. like, using video games as a, as a, uh, a place to get rid of negative emotions. And like, is, is that healthy? Do you think that's healthy? Is that okay? And I don't know. I, I guess it would be okay up into a point where you are causing somebody else in the same physical space as you to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and then, and then you got to learn how to play Splatoon without getting angry at the 12 year olds who keep headshotting you with green paint. I've grown a lot yeah, is what I, I'm saying. I think as long as you're not yelling at your partner, no, then not. you're good. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, it's an interesting discussion because you can make people uh, feel uncomfortable, even if you're not directing your feelings at them. And that's an interesting place to to come to as an adult and try to understand and uh, try to find the line between where that's okay and where it's not, you know, because you might enjoy hockey and getting mad at the hockey game makes you feel like you're getting rid of those emotions that you don't get to get rid of during the day or... <laughs> Uh, you know, at your office job or whatever, where they just get to exploit you and pile on abuse. But you got hockey. But then at some point, if if you screaming at, you know, the Edmonton Oilers or whatever, makes somebody else feel bad. You got to check that, I think. What do you think? See, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to chime in here because that's that's super funny. Um, So I I am not historically a person who gets that mad to like yell about video games. But I love this already. I got for the first time in my life uh, a noise complaint from my neighbor recently because I got a little <laughs> bit excited about something. I, I got this email that was like, "Yeah, we got a complaint from from your your neighboring unit about some yelling," and I was like, "I have there hasn't been anybody over here in ages. Like, I know exactly what this is. This is me getting fucking pissed off about Rocket League." <laughs> <laughs> And, and so so I replied to the email and, you know, it was so funny because, you know, you, you can't admit that that that's absolutely absurd. You cannot under any circumstances own that. So I but but to right to your point, though, I replied to the email and I was like, oh, sorry, I guess I got so, uh, uh, excited about sports the other night. And I got a, a reply back like five minutes later that was like, go Flames, go. And it's just like, Jesus. you know, there are totally acceptable reasons to yell at the tv and totally unacceptable reasons to yell at the tv 
but are there really is there really that much of a distinction yeah who's making who's making this uh acceptable? it's a social we've talked about this before that uh, sports gets a lot of a lot of leeway for for certain uh cultural aspects of it that uh video gaming probably should yeah. given its sort of prevalence versus like sport watching in in sort of our generation uh, especially um yeah it's okay to sit on a couch and watch like you know 14 hours of football straight but if you if you want to play you know rocket league for 14 hours and get emotional about it apparently that's not okay to admit that's such an interesting uh juxtaposition i love it I don't want to get emotional about it. I just find myself getting emotional about it sometimes anyway. <laughs> so with the idea of catharsis, do you feel relieved after you feel that way? Or does it make you feel more worked up or worse? Honestly, I don't know. I I am really, this is something that I've kind of um, been always of kind of a mixed mind about is this idea of catharsis and, and, and sublimation of anger in the first place. Because I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing guy without a lot to get mad about in my life. And so it's like when I have these stimuli that make me angry, I can't help but feel like, is this really me taking anger from elsewhere and putting it into this game? Or is this, am I angry because I'm playing this game? I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's just kind of like a chicken and egg question about whether this is taking displaced anger or whether this is just its own sort of uh, mm. self-renewing source. <laughs> yeah. Am I actually getting rid of feelings that I'm having elsewhere and having a healthy outlet? Or am I actually apparently just the kind of person that gets enraged by this video game? It's a great question, though, and I find it very interesting. Um, and it's also tied up with sort of the privilege to be angry mm -hmm. that I find. Uh, specifically, I know I get into white male stuff <laughs> all the time, but like, you know, the white... Uh, cisgendered male is allowed to generally express their anger in ways that other people aren't so there's it's i feel like it's all tied up together especially with sports and, and video games when they're primarily seen as outlets for that that specific sort of group i don't have a lot of answers but i find it interesting to think about and, and to dissect and to break down and like what makes me feel like i'm allowed to get angry at sports or video games when other people might feel like that's something they're supposed to keep in so mm. even driving like Who's, who's the people throwing out the road rage when you're out there? And it's it's a specific type of person it's that me. feels entitled to show the finger to somebody else when they're driving because they've been cut off or scream at somebody else. It's interesting. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day about um, like flipping somebody off in traffic. And she said that she pulled up next to somebody that she had inadvertently cut off. And she kind of like looked over at them with the look of shame and they just looked at her and gave her like a thumbs down. Oh, that's good. And she was like, for some reason that hurt. Oh, more. I'm doing that now. So having kids changes this, uh, this whole sort of setup as well, because something that used to be in a car, a singular act where I could express myself and nobody was being hurt unless the person in the other car saw me, uh, is now something that affects other people in my, in my circumference. And is no longer something I can just freely engage in at will to make myself feel better. So it's it's tied up in a lot of like privilege in a lot of ways. Uh, those expressions of of anger and uh, video games, I guess, are are part of that that puzzle. That's interesting to me. Hmm. Uh, did we have a final one there, Jordan, or did we hit it somewhere in that giant tangent that I took us all on? The tangent train. 
No. Um, well, Ro- Rocket League gets an honorable mention only because it's a game that I've been playing the most lately. But uh, and got you your sound, your noise complaint. Yes. Um, but but on the rare occasions that I rage quit from that, it's it's for very similar reasons to rage quitting uh, my last entry here, which is um, which is the old the old World of Warcraft. Oh, um, I have not gosh. played WoW for a long time, but I was deep in the throes for a few years there. And man, oh man, there's like yeah. That, that stuff I was talking about before about like, you know, you get 90 minutes into something and then you just kind of hit a wall. There's that, but there's like 39 other people along for the ride. And, you know, if 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 someone else is like blowing it over and over again, like you're mad at that guy, he's ruining your night. But you're also like you got to be sympathetic because sometimes you're that guy. And like, you know, there, there's times when I couldn't keep healing up or whatever and and I'm the reason that the party's wiping, and it's just like you know that that doesn't feel good either. But it's like you're so reluctant to just like bail on it and quit because everybody else is gonna have to find a new healer and blah blah blah. And there's just like there's so many awful sunk time costs. But the thing that that, that I find funny about WoW is that there were so many different ways for me to get like super fucking riled up about something and rage quit there was like pvp i could get mad about like battlegrounds going poorly i could get mad about like world pvp getting getting ganked by somebody 20 levels higher than me you know they can get mad about like quest resources disappearing when everybody's competing for the same creature or whatever for a quest and get mad about like latency issues there's just like a million different things that 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 can can hit that button and just like fuck this i'm out <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. but yeah that's uh uh definitely like pound for pound the game that has induced the most total rage in me i would say is, is world of warcraft so <laughs> and i noticed that you mentioned that you weren't playing it and haven't for a long time uh, is that part of the reason did it uh, at some point did you have a realization that you were not enjoying that time that you were spending as much as you'd want to be? Or Yes, but it wasn't about getting mad. Um, I think, honestly, th- th- this is going to sound uh, uh, maybe a little bit shallow, um, but someone said something to me once that I thought was so funny, which was they described MMOs as a treadmill that makes you fatter. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. Yeah, okay. But no, in, in all seriousness, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what it was that made me quit because there's actually a very uh there was a moment that particularly concretized that for me. Um so uh every Sunday, I think it is, they do the like Stranglethorn Veil fishing contest in WoW, where Basically, all of your all, all of the anglers go and try to catch fish for half an hour. And the people who catch, I think the most of the rarest fish or whatever, win some prize. So anyway, I was like, you know, uh, super amped about like this thing. And so, so, so I'd, I'd spent the morning like leveling fishing on this one character so that I could run and go do the fishing contest. And then I, I was like logging into the fishing contest and I kind of like pouring myself a cup of coffee. And I'm like looking at the clock and it's like 1.30. And I was like, I have been fucking sitting here at my computer, like fishing in WoW for like five hours. Like I could have gosh, like showered, put my clothes on, thrown my rod in the car, gone to an actual lake and caught a real ass actual fish <laughs> in this time that I spent like leveling my night elves fishing or whatever the fuck it was. 
yeah, so that that was the the specific thing that really concretized it for me. It was like, okay, there's other things I can do with my time. Are they any better? No. Like I said, I put a thousand hours into Binding of Isaac, but um, I feel like I have a better relationship with that time now, at least. That's fair. I think that's a good uh, good point. Is that uh, you need to have that that desire or that enjoyment and that relationship with the thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if Binding of Isaac is giving you something i don't think we need to poo poo video games in general for taking up that time or for being a time waster in that same analogy that lexi and i always use which is like that sort of sports mm-hmm. uh, entertainment sort of time sink but yeah if 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 you hit a point when you're like i think i'd rather have actually gone fishing than have spent these five <laughs> hours doing that uh that that's probably a good realization on the wow front uh it is one of the things that actually was part of the whole package of me dropping out of college. Uh, I was in the the beta early on for WoW and I got sucked in hard and fast. And instead of working on projects or portfolios, I would spend a night, find myself 7.30 in the morning, just like running around playing that game. And like, it was a beautiful world to me. It was something I'd never experienced before. It sucked me in, but it was like encompassing. Uh, I'm not sure if I hit a, a video game addiction point, which I'm, there's a lot of laughing at things that aren't actually funny. Video game addiction, I think, is why am I still chuckling? Jesus, uh, it can be a real thing, but it was just—I it, don't think I hit that point. It, but it was something that I finally realized was was not having a positive influence on the way I wanted to do things with my life. And you know, I didn't stop playing video games. I just moved on from that that particular type of video games. Uh, I'm not even off MMOs. I still play some of them, but uh, stuff more like Destiny now, where you know, I can spend some time uh, playing it and there's sort of an end point after a match mm-hmm. that is a good way to get out and not just keep going. Did you ever play WoW, Lexi? No. No. No? Okay, well, it's time for you to get in there and get addicted <laughs> and uh, we'll do another episode with Jordan in a, in a year or two after this podcast crashes because you don't show up for shows anymore. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> or fish for. Uh, there's the dad joke. Uh, yeah, I gotta get it in there. You'll be recording all your new episodes on Ventrilo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, that's probably as good a place as any to call it a night. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us, uh, getting into some of our fun tangents and participating. Uh, for You're our first guest ever to participate in Who's That Pokemon, so thank you for that. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And don't forget to listen to Jordan's podcast and check out all of his um, sites and things that we'll put into the show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks, Jordan. Yeah. Did you want to give another like, uh, hey, go check me out before we we move on here? Cap off the show. Sure. Um, So you can check out uh, one of my podcasts. Holy shit, I have ADHD. You can check that out at anchor.fm slash holy shit, I have ADHD. You can check out my other show, which is a kind of improv tribute to uh, late night paranormal radio it's kind of a riff on coast to coast am it's called infinite horizons radio you can check that out at anchor.fm slash infinite horizons radio uh you can follow me on twitter twitter.com slash the underscore fresh underscore i and uh yeah uh like i said i do improv uh on occasion with the kinkanauts in town kinkanauts.com you can check that out um we just got our star trek show back uh we Amazing. did the first one of those last week and so there will be some more Star Trek improv coming up in the next uh, couple months. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Jordan. And uh, for all of us here at Dork Matters, uh, dork, 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 dork. Dork, dork. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give a rating, and tell a friend about us. 
If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song Dance off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksiga, the Bigani, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Region 3. Dork Matters is a proud member of the Alberta Public Radio Podcast Network.